Welcome to Talking in Stations, podcast about EVE Online. Today, it's Talking in Stations Christmas party. It is December 23rd, and we have a lot to talk about. We have some battles that took place, and we have some injectors that we need to talk about, or boosters for injectors. And then we're going to do the most influential awards. We're going to decide here live with you guys who the most influential organization and player, single player, was in 2018. But uh, first, let's introduce the guys. How's it going, Artemis? Hi. I am very tired right now because it's literally the middle of the night for me. <laughs> Carneros, you're with me, right? Yeah, good morning. Morning. I'm drinking my coffee. Awesome. And we also have Ron. How are you doing, Ron? Doing fantastic. It's been a very exciting past 24 hours. <laughs> and somebody that is always around talking in stations, but you don't get to see him because he's behind the camera, but this time he's in front of a fireplace, uh, is McLeod. How are you doing, McLeod? I'm good. I'm good. The fireplace is killing it. It looks like uh, Bob Ross. Is that the guy? Like, you know. So I'm very homey. Fireplace. All right. Uh, let's do some news first, right? Uh, let's talk about injectors. You guys want to talk about injectors? Are you just going to try and like convince the audience to buy the injectors so you can recoup your risk, Matterall? Is that what this is? <laughs> yeah. You bought, so Matterall went in this morning after downtime and bought all his stupid augment things at 400 millipop. No, at 500 millipop, if I recall correctly. And what is the market at now? Did you stay up late or did you alarm clock for this? I alarm clocked. Uh, yeah, so I was up I was up at uh, quarter to downtime and then uh, put, a, put a buy order in right when it closed down with like 10 seconds to go, thinking that I was being brilliant. So I put it in for 500 and I bought like 10 and then uh, 500 million. And then uh, I woke up and I was like, this is great. And it, it started out great. Uh, you know, it was like, oh, they're at 500 and the order filled. And I thought, okay, good. I got in on it. Now at least um, I got a head start because these things are going to climb to 1.5, you know, a billion. Uh, and then I kept watching it and it kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller. <laughs> I kept buying and buying and buying. So if, if you want to know what that's like when you're a market person, that's like running up a snowy hill. And no matter how hard you try, you're actually going backwards. Well, think about uh, the buy orders for the really rare faction ammo the day after the crates. And people were opening crates and getting that really rare ammo and then selling it to those buy orders. There, there were some people that made billions on that. And, you know, what could you do? Was there a happy ending for that story? Some very poor people got very rich very quickly. <laughs> yeah, all because of the Christmas presents. <laughs> and that's how I have to think about it. Is Yeah, yeah. I was spreading the cheer. Before we get too far in here, McLeod, so you're usually muted such that you can, like, tell us things. Did you unmute yourself uh, yes. so the stream can hear you? Awesome. Okay. Uh, I well, I should sure. be unmuted, yeah. Cool. I mean, you know, people people out there will be able to sort of tell us like definitively, but uh, I'm technically not listening to the stream. I'm listening. I'm watching all of the various different mixer elements kind of going up and down. So as far as I know, I am coming through, but it could just be mute completely. You never know. 
<laughs> so it goes. Besides me taking a bath uh, on this thing, uh, before we go on, Ron, were you going to talk about the injector thing? Oh, yeah. I was just going to say that this morning, uh, right after downtime, Jita was crazy. Um, I, the last that I saw, and I wasn't paying close attention, but there was 2,200 in local. It was mass hysteria. There were, <laughs> you know, people banging pots and pans outside. And, uh, but it, it was pretty, it was pretty uh, big. You could tell the market was getting hammered because the sign came up that said uh, workers on strike. And so that was CCP's way of saying that the, the market was having trouble and closed and lagging and stuff. It took me like five, 10 minutes to literally just modify two orders. It was weird. It I'm occurs sure to me that we have, we have yet to explain what exactly these injectors that you lost a lot of money on are. Yeah, explain it to the audience because not all of them know. To explain it, today some people got as a result of the 13 days of christmas event which ccp has been running now uh it's an like a drug that you can take it's called an absolute something just search single quotation mark absolute in the regional market it'll pop up for you and what it does is it allows players to pop this drug and then they can take three skill injectors and have no loss of sp due to diminishing returns. So normally when you take a skill injector and you have say more than 80 million skill points, which is the case for Matterall, he would only get 150,000 SP out of every skill injector he takes. But if he takes this drug beforehand, then if he takes a skill injector, he can take up to three of them and get 500,000 SP out of each of them. So it is a massive savings in terms of the amount of money he has to spend on injectors in order to get a certain level of SP. This is why people were estimating that these augmenters could go from 600 million up to 2 billion isk apiece. However, that is not the case, at least right now. Theoretical maximum of 5 billion, because at that point, you no longer are saving any money. At that point, you might as well inject the injectors raw. But 5, mil 5 billion is a long way from, they're selling for now uh, 160 million. So... Something's not right. I think what I didn't I didn't really get was how much a lot of people would say, yeah, I don't really want this. I'll just sell it. Like the supply is just killing the demand. It's also worth noting that you can use these multiple times, but there is a cooldown. And that cooldown is affected by your biology skill. So it's actually sort of detrimental if you have biology five, because that means you have to wait longer between the amount of time you can take these things. But at the end of it, if you had like biology zero, I think Matterall did the math and you can get something like 30 million SP. If you just pop one of these drugs, inject three injectors, alarm clock 16 hours, and then do the thing again. Now we did test that and it, it does work that way. So if you have biology zero, it resets, your timer is only 16 hours. Um, but if you have biology um, five, let's say it's maxed out, then the cycle is twice that, 32 hours so it's really weird but booster length uh that skill biology that boosts your booster length is actually working against you in this case you can also do what i did which is extract biology first <laughs> and then start the booster parade <laughs> that's the smart money and if you want to uh 16 hours you'd have to alarm clock all the way to january 7th right so you'd be waking up in the middle of the night for two weeks or you know whatever the cycle is so you wouldn't want to do that 
So the recommended biology is actually like three or four, because that's more or less 22 or 25 hours. So you can pretty much get it about the same time every day. And you will end up getting, if you inject uh, you know, loyally for two weeks, about 20 million SP. Now, the next time we have one of the CCP guests on the show, we need to ask them to go back and look at the stats for who did what with this Christmas present. How many people, you know, how many people injected, how many, you know, what was their average skill points? And there's a lot of just beautiful statistics that CCP will have behind the scenes that I'd love to hear. And since it's just a once in a blue moon Christmas gift, they should have no problem sharing it with us. <laughs> That's right. We'll encourage them. But the idea um, of this injector was this is a real nice thing to do for veteran players. And uh, for a veteran player is somebody who has, I would think, 80 million or above SP. 80 million SP is a lot. And that's so equivalent to like four years, I think. And of course, you can inject your way up there in two weeks if you want with normal injectors. But by the time you hit 80 million, you're losing so much on injectors, you don't really get the benefit of them anymore because injectors are always meant for players to catch up, not for players to get even further ahead. Uh, but what happened here? Like, why, uh, why aren't a lot of people that have more than 80 million SP, are they not around or are they not well, no, incentivized? You don't just have to pay the 150 mil a piece for the 20 uh, drugs that you want to use. You also have to pay what is now 830 million a piece for the, that would be 60 injectors that you have to inject in order to do this. Mm -hmm. You don't have to inject that many. You can just inject three. Yeah, that's a fair point. That's what I did. Yeah. But then you have to expect that the, the 80 million skill point players are also the ones who probably have two to three alts. So they just use the drug they got on their main account to pop three injectors and then sell the rest. Yeah, looking at Noisy Gamer, who's, who's a, a low-sec miner type character with over 200 million SP, says injectors are not worth it. And so I wonder if the value isn't there, like the perceived value isn't there for most even veteran players. I think some people are intimidated by what they think will be the spike in the injector price. It's already happened. And there's two prices. There's two, there's two prices for injectors. There's the offshoring price, which if you buy in a neighboring system, you can buy it for uh, 840 million right now. But if you're buying it in Gita, it's 870 million. It's a difference of 30 million. The problem is if your character and your stuff is in Gita, you have to transport those injectors into Jita, and so gankers are probably going to be having a field day today. You can remote inject, can't you? Last I knew that was a thing. Oh, you can remote inject, but remote selling and remote buying is a weird thing. I didn't know you could remote inject. I thought that's why they get. Yeah. Wait, Matterall, have you been hauling your injectors through Jita? <laughs> don't haul, Matterall. Don't haul. <laughs> no. I've been buying the higher price, which is just as bad. Oh. Ooh. If I remember correctly, remote injecting skins worked if they were in a station, but didn't work if they were in an upwell structure. Had they fixed that? And, and is that the same? I haven't remote injected a skill you injector. Can remote extract I'd too. be worried about the same thing. Yeah, you can. Sorry to talk over you. I'm just learning so much about this game today. <laughs>
this is what happens when we get a drug from CCP that lets us find these <laughs> things. It makes this mechanic valuable to older players. Oh my God. The other thing is, you know, when you get around 90 to 100 million, there's not too many things that are like mission critical. You've pretty much got most of the things. So, you know, if you have a lot of doctrines or something or doctrines are changing, if you're a null sucker, that's something to think about. But for the most part, yeah. Triglavian skills are the reason I did it. It's because I wanted to get the Triglavian stuff skilled up. I'd like to point out that the wisdom of the chat is saying that skill injectors can be remotely used in any situation. That is news to me. I did not know that, but um, that is good news because uh, now there's no reason not to offshore it. And for those that don't know what offshoring is, if you buy in a neighboring system, uh, it's a lot less. Like I just said, you'd save $30 million per injector if you bought it in uh, Perimeter, for instance, or New Caldari. It's because basically um, in NPC stations, you have NPC sales tax. And when you go into a, like a player-owned station, they can essentially just drop those taxes to the floor, uh, you know, to zero if they want to. Um, so they're going to be lower. Right. And that is um, basically what is called offshoring and it happens with Plex because I know with Plex you can definitely put it in remotely if you want to or you're not, never having to carry it for sure but I don't understand why they let injectors do that like that seems seems like it doesn't make sense I'm learning some things from this because one of my guys is convoying me and saying he's saying um, the way extractors work wherever you put the extractor is where the skill injector will appear and you can remotely extract your skill points to it so you can buy them in Jita, stick them in Jita. You can have your skill point farm anywhere else somewhere, cloaked up in the middle of Egypt. Uh, and you can, when you're ready, extract their skills right to Jita, fill the extractors, and they're ready to go on the market. Beautiful. Wow. That's crazy. Because then they can, they can buy it and Jack can go, I know Kung Fu. Well, there's one <laughs> caveat, which is you have to be out of the ship to extract. So that's one thing. Ah, so your cloaky camping fleet can't be a skill extraction farm. You have to dock up and get out of the ship. And I think that's probably to get around exactly what, you know, the cloaky campers, skill farms. The unassailable wealth. By the way, Matterall, your, uh, your, your shirt is getting some love in chat. Can you, like, properly give them a good view of it? Yeah, sure. They need to see the cats. They need to see the cats. It's, three, it's 3D, and you can see the cats are 3D, too. See him, see him flopping around. <laughs> Woo. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad sweater day. <laughs> All right. Well, um, we're going to have to watch this, right? Because it goes on for two weeks. Um, this whole injector booster combination is going to happen until January 7th, where all these boosters die. So not only did... Um, say for me, a speculator, I wasn't speculating, actually, I was buying them for characters. But if I were a speculator, uh, I'm buying these things that are ultra valuable, they totally sank in cost compared to what I expected. And I can get stuck with them if I don't unload them even at a loss before January 7th, because at that point, they just all melt away. Full of a cliff, man. Yeah, so um, and it's interesting because it is a gamble. Will people start to learn, oh, wait a minute, these things are uh, cheap. Let me actually use them. Um, 
and start buying them up, will the market actually rebound? And it has rebounded a little bit as people are waking up, different time zones are waking up. You could see it rebound a little bit and then actually get hit harder because people are just unloading them wholesale. I think Artemis really hit on it when he said, you know, it's the price of the injectors as well, because that's like 2.4 billion. I mean, it's like rum and Coke, you know, that the booster is the Coke, the rum is, you know, a lot. So I think it really depends on the price of injectors, but you know, I'm speculating. I don't know. <laughs> I like Roman Coke. And, and the last thing about these um, these things is what strategies people would use to actually, I mean, why are these things important, I think, to, to players? I don't know if a case has been made for that because as a lot of people were saying, I don't need those skill points. I'll just train into it. I'm always going to have this character on. Uh, so it does me no good to bank a bunch of SP. Um, but I, I think this is, this is a respec. Like you can actually take... Say I have three characters that I've grown over the years, right? And I only really use one, and I want to go back to being more invested in that one. Is you can scrape SP off of the other two characters and make those your injectors, and then move all that to the one character that you do like to use a lot, the one character that has your name on it or whatever else. It also can function effectively as a renaming of a character. Good point. You always have hated that name that you bought that character and they misspelled it because they never went to school. I feel like you're throwing some shade here, Carneros, but I'll no. have you know it's completely unrelated to a certain Greek mythological entity. Well, do you guys remember, I think it was December of 2013 or 2014 when CCP released like 14 million names? Um, and, and, you know, that's a great point because like I picked up Ron, just R-O-N and that was my new main, right? Because they released all those names, the people that hadn't, you know, purchased accounts. So that's a great point. Just respecking because you're losing nothing. You're just buying the extractors. Yeah. Well, the extractors are something, but yeah, this is going to cost it one way or another, but extractors are 370 million as opposed to the injectors, which are 870 million. So. But yeah, I, I didn't think about that, switching out a character. If you did some preparation before today, because really the today is when the you know the starting gun went off and it's a mad dash for 14 days to to inject, sorry, to boost and reboost and reboost and reboost for 14 days solid. Uh, today was the first day of that. If you'd done some pre-work, you would be in a better position to utilize the savings, you know. But you could still catch up by injecting everything all at once if you have if you know what kind of character you want. All right, so enough of that. Check out that market. It's really, uh, it's going to be very interesting. It's under implants and boosters. It's the number booster slot 14. There's only one item in it. It's the absolute injector augmenter, and that's the one that we're talking about. What Matt was trying to say is, please buy the boosters. <laughs> <laughs> please, please have to buy milk for my kids. <laughs> <laughs> I got space kids to feed. <laughs> uh. I don't. Don't feel sorry for me. Don't, don't, don't. Um, okay, so, geez, should we talk about revenge and how Try got 10 Titans uh, trapped and killed yesterday when Try was the ones, were the ones that did the same thing to XIX when they were evacuing? I think it's it's pretty interesting what's going on here. So what happened? Somebody tell us. 
I wasn't there, actually. I It's actually, to be fair, I think Canaris was, was Canaris. Canaris, were you there? Well, I'll tell you what the situation was. The Bastion had a... I'm the CEO of the Bastion. We had a Christmas Rome that day. We had been pre-planned for weeks. Our guys were all off on a Rome. This thing goes through. And, um, well, it turns out Snuff um, organized it. They saw the opportunity. They reached out. The way I heard it secondhand is they reached out first to Space Violence and said, Space Violence, do you want in on this? Do you want to help? Because you're nearby. We see Tri doing the move up. We don't think they're doing a very good job of it. We think there's an opportunity here. Um, it could be really good. Do you want in? Space Violence is like, yes, we're in. And then the version I heard is, for some reason, there were there was more than one Sino lit in the space. And apparently there was a Sino they were supposed to jump to and a Sino they weren't supposed to jump to, and I don't know why it was there. But the snuff guys go to the upper Sino. The space violence guys jump to the wrong Sino, the bottom one. Um, <laughs> it ended up spreading the tackle beautifully, and they caught more Titans because of it. Anyway, and apparently there was a word sent out that said on the other side saying, safe log your super cap now, quick. And, and uh, some of them got out safely that way. Apparently, you know, the ones that were tackled immediately didn't. But then there was this one guy who apparently didn't know how to uh, safe log or what, because he his ship was sitting there on tether on a structure his name was not appearing in local. So he and they they bumped him off Tether and they cooked and ate him too. Jesus. <laughs> what was the final butcher's bill for this one? 1.14 trillion. Can, can we not use butcher's bill, please, ever? <laughs> <laughs> What's the problem with butcher's bill? That's like a standard vernacular. Maybe butcher's bill, this is the time it is very useful because it sounds like a fairy tale and Carneros really finished that story off uh, in the same way. It sounded like you were recounting Goldilocks or something. I, I'm, I'm also heard another part that said there was a, a, a like a... A denouement, a little afterwards later where they caught someone else, the next system or the next gate, whatever. So it ended up being something like 10 Ragnaroks and an Erebus and three supercarriers. And it was, it was a lot. It was a lot. Anyway. Hmm. It was a little bit more complicated than the average just ambush. Um, so I wish we had someone who was in the fight who could, who was in the, you know, could be on the stream with this. But it was still a great story. I was there at the end. Um, you know, I, I think someone on Reddit said it great, which was uh, Pro God was banging pots and pans together, you know, sending out, this is it, <laughs> sending out rage pings. And uh, I logged in a little bit late, but when I logged in, it was, you know, Max Hicks, uh, everything, log in everything. And the, the thing is, you know, that was within bridge range of our northern staging. So like we didn't have to mid. I mean, it was basically a Titan above our staging and just taking the bridge and you're right in the fight. You're right in the fight. So we jumped in and then uh, I and then I, I think we have video or maybe of uh, the last Titan kill. 
um, that I was in on. It was pretty crazy. There were a couple things, a couple bad choices about this route. I don't know where they were going and what they were thinking, but they moved past two staging systems and they, and apparently they moved through a former snuff staging system and snuff had war material there still from then. And, and it was just, there were a lot of things that came together to make it advantageous for the attackers on this occasion that maybe if someone had more history and, and such, they might've chosen a different route. I think they were coming up North in preparation for our big fight, you know, on Christmas day and then Christmas day plus one when uh, we're doing the structure timers on some of these reinforcement forts. So and I'm not sure. Now didn't the, once all those structure timer generations happen after the super gank or did I have the timeline wrong? So what, what Ron is talking about is sometime last night, we'll figure out exactly when in a moment, uh, a bunch of the Imperium went up into tribute, right? And then... Oh, that's a separate thing much later. Separate thing. What are you talking about, Ron? Yeah, so this is... So when we talked about it, this was uh, the big massive fight where they dropped 100 Titans to hit the uh, armor timer and they reinforced that Fortizar. Well, that is that week timer, and that comes out on Christmas Day. So I think, I'm not sure, but I think that they were coming up to help in that big fight because we expect that to be a massive brawl on Christmas Day. So that is the faction Fortizar fight in Orjonan, just outside of Gemini. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. That was a pretty crazy fight. All right, so how, how many different fights are we talking about here? Well, we've got... Faction Fort in Geminate. We've got a bunch of timers generated in what's it called? Um, tribute. Let's go to that tribute. one later. Thank you. We, that's a separate thing. Later? Well, next. And then, of course, the try thing. We'll have to wait. So, if it's in regular solve null, depending on the strategic index of the system, structures would have already been dropped or would have had to have already been dropped. But if we're talking like Horde did last year, where they dropped a whole bunch of Astro Houses or whatever in NPC null, that would be happening tomorrow in order to make it come out on Christmas Day. So we could still have a bunch of structure spam going up that would then maybe cause a fight or just generally be a nuisance. So we'll have to see if that happens as well. If I'm not mistaken, Christmas is usually a very quiet time for Eve. Uh, so this is going to be unusual. Normally you have... Things Am I wrong about that? Things kind of on hold or simmering through Christmas. You can see a lot of meta being played out, like the beginning of World War B and Casino War. There was a lot of negotiation going on in December, but you know there was bannings by CCP of uh, the uh, bankers and these kinds of underpinning things that led to um, huge combat in January, which is the biggest month for Eve. So it's like everybody rests there always seems to be a massive super cap fight that ends up uh, happening January, February kind of time. I don't know why. Like, it's happened most most years. I think there's been two or three years, like uh, maybe like last year was a kind of like a, uh, you know, the uh, the emission that approves the rule, as it were. Um, but, yeah, like generally we're on track for, uh, you know, having some kind of massive super capital fight in January. Although, although there was a surprise last year um, at Christmas time, um, Pandemic Horde put put some effort in 
uh, logistically and industrially and showed up in NPC Delve and dropped like 50 uh, Raitarus, uh, uh, throwaway structures, uh, and they did it with exquisite timing where they all basically started onlining at the same time. And, you know, our scouts had to track all these things and go set up fleets to come back and deal with them as they went into their 15 minute cycle the next day. And we had to, you know, form massive fleets and then split them up into sections to go, you take this one, you take this one and try to kill them all in their 15 minute cycles. It was a, it was a, f- a fun little exercise, a um, bit of a Christmas surprise. This year, you know, obviously we have scouts out watching NPC Delve for any shenanigans. And I think part in the back of my head, I wonder if some of that memory went into the op we're talking about next, where um, the surprise attack on tribute last night. Carneros, for those of you who can't see it, his eyes are shifting around when he says shenanigans. (laughs) It's pretty funny. Tomfoolery. (laughs) These are such... um, Dickens terms? How do you, how would you say that? Dickensian. Dickensian, then? Dickensian, thank you. That's the word, Dickensian. Yeah, this whole show, but uh, it's just really got a great vibe to it. But I think the snow is uh, lagging some people out. Is, am I right, wrong about that? I don't know. It Could shouldn't be. be. Yeah, I, I don't know why it would. Maybe the, it was my transition between like that video and back there. Like I hit the wrong transition. It was super long, so it kind of decided to uh, be a bit weird. No it was basically enough, my fault. Enough about that. The Carneros, you're about to lead us into tri- tribute, right? Something happened in tribute. There was a surprise attack type thing last night. Um, tribute has not been, if, for a little context, tribute has not been the site of any meaningful, uh, like, large scale PvP activity in recent times. Is that fair? There's been stuff happening a couple regions over around Geminit with. Um, uh, pandemic horde, but but not really. Oh, and not really so much in tribute or veil. Uh, so uh, the uh, last night uh, a fleet formed up, uh, basically pretty close to a full fleet formed up of of jackdaws. Went through a couple wormholes, showed up in tribute. I'm on the fleet. I don't know what we're doing. I. I get in a lodgy, I'm running around, you know, having fun. And um, the people are being told, okay, you guys go here, you guys go here. Da, 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 da. I'm half paying attention. Um, and, you know, as one does, as, a, as an F1 button pusher in NullSec. And, uh, and suddenly I hear, okay, everyone start your entosis at the same time. Ooh, well, wait a second. I should pay attention to this. I'm not talking in stations tomorrow. I should pay attention. Uh, and uh, and then there were like warped up to a structure. Shoot this! Oh, okay. And we're shooting a, a, a fancy new Ansiblex jump gate. Still smells like the car factory. Uh, and then another group was broken off. Okay, you guys shoot this other structure. And I'm like, oh, we're shooting a bunch of structures. Okay, this this is you know getting interesting. Um, and I and I've got an eye somewhere scouting watching and suddenly i see nc dot forming up Ooh, you guys serbs and scimitars okay oh you guys they got dreads 
popping out too. They're warping out too fast. I can't see what they're fit with. Okay, here we go. So NC dot, you know, late at night has to form quickly and go react, and they do. But we still get, um, we still manage to reinforce some systems. Yikes. Hey, that's our home. <laughs> In fact, I can see my house from here. <laughs> it's on fire. Uh, anyway, that was, yeah, we did form up pretty quick, though. I think we were very pleased with our response. So even for fighting on the other side of it. It wasn't a big battle, per se. I think we lost to Jackdaw. But, and I don't think NC Dot lost anything. But it was, that was just more like a, ha, wake up. <laughs> yeah. He's keeping you on your toes. You were definitely <laughs> Christmas mode, Carneros. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, it's hilarious. Um, well, is there any other fights that we need to talk about? I think it was Providence. Provi Block had a fight with HTP and a bunch of other groups. It was like 200 billion isk in capitals that died. I need to go look up the BR real quick. I don't have a story for it. I just noticed that it happened. HTP is honorable third party. Thank you. Then Provi, right? Yeah, they feast on Pravi. They feasted on SMA in the north. Uh, they're a hot dropping group that basically uh, basically trick uh, fleets into doing things, and then they jump on them and destroy the fleets. They're like they're predators that are don't have a lot of people involved, but super really, super high skilled players that jump in and just wreck things. Yeah, I I see where it is. Just to give an example of their techniques, this one time I was. Uh, it, this is when PL was taking over Providence to take all the stations. It didn't work out very well for them. But NC was supporting them. I don't know if people remember that in the south of Providence. And I was uh, had one of my um, Sino alts in front of a Fortizar. They HTP let us use their Fortizar to travel. And somebody, <laughs> I lit the I lit the Sino, and this battleship came and slammed my ship out like a like somebody was playing pool. And then they slid under my Sino, so it looked like the battleship was the Sino. <laughs> and it was a way of tricking people to attack it, since you're supposed to be defenseless when you have a Sino. But that battleship was very capable. That's the kind of stuff they do. That is just trickery. <laughs> yeah. I like it. It's like the Nagelfar in a bubble. People thinking like, oh, it's a, uh, you know, it's a online small, uh, you know, oh, small pause. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I cut you off, but uh, HTP in Pravi, that's something that happens all the time. But what uh, what happened there? Well, this time is very different because usually those are sort of small hit and run gank type things. But this time there were 200 characters, 288 characters, pardon me, from the Pravi block side and 176 from the HTP plus Waffles plus uh, Few, which is Purple Helmeted Warriors. And it was just a massive cat brawl, faxes, dreads on both sides, carriers. Probably Block also had a Megathron fleet. And in the end, Probably Block lost over 100 billion and HTP lost just under 100 billion. So it was a pretty close fight, both in numbers, in terms of losses. It's, it's a massive brawl for that area yeah. of space. It's one of those fights where everybody comes away feeling pretty good about themselves. Thing about Pravi is they can get killed all day long. They have so many people that build there, uh, since it's open space for people to use. All right, well, let's. Uh, we can talk about anything, but we're going to talk about most influential and try to decide uh, here 
who TIS thinks was the most influential organization and group. We'll do organization first, right? Jumping right into the controversial topics, are we? Yeah, yeah, we're going to get, get that taken care of. So what we did in this process uh, is we talked amongst, our, uh, talked amongst ourselves to figure out who we thought this year, as we're news watchers and eve watchers, like who was the most influential uh, group this year. And then we invited the public to also comment in case there were groups that we didn't see because we pay attention to certain areas of Eve. And uh, so we put together a list of a combination of those two things. And so the list I think is pretty, I think everybody's gonna know these groups when we list them out and we're gonna talk about them a little bit and talk about what they accomplished and why they should probably be considered that. And then by secret ballot, we're going to vote uh, in this channel that we have over here and then we'll announce the winner and then go on to uh, the most influential person of the year. That's the single most influential person of the year or individual. Okay, so the nominees for organization that has had the most amount of influence over EVE Online in the last year. We're going to start with uh, the initiative, right? I had no say in this whatsoever. Last year's winner was the initiative, and it shared the prize with Triumvirate. Uh, and what's happened to, let's compare those two stories. What's happened to both alliances in the last year? Well, damn. Um, so I know. want to go for Provi, like, because I know that like part of Provi kind of broke off and went into, I think it was Skill Yourself. Did Hard Knocks have their rental empire yeah. a year ago? Or was that this year? No, the Holy Rental uh, Are you empire? sure about that? Yeah. Well, they had it, they had new, wormhole it? Space. Was... They, they had it in wormhole space before. If you're talking about NullSec Renting Empire, that was this last year. The the wormhole space thing is a meme. But yeah, the NullSec thing is completely new. No, wormholes were actually rented. Uh, at least C6s were. They were... They were... You're not wrong, but it's not like... <laughs> when you. you're talking, comparing NullSec Rental Empire and renting C6s, they're not really comparable, is the point I'm trying to make. I'm sorry. Well, I have a spreadsheet with all the, the schedules of how much they cost. Their NullSec rental stuff is comparable to a NullSec rental empire because they did that NullSec style. And you're right, Holy Rental Empire, I'm guessing that was that's about a year old now. I'm trying to rem remember. When did the DRF fall apart? Well, wait a minute. First of all, you guys are totally on the wrong page right now. We're talking about the initiative okay. and we're talking about Triumvirate, right? Okay. Well, one of the reasons we're talking about the initiative is because what they've done this year is evicted HK. So the reason that we're talking about HK is because it's related to initiative. I'm sorry. The, let's just put it in broad terms, right? The initiative has had another stunning year. I think it's pretty clear. They ended this year with a, a huge victory in wormhole space where they evicted uh, HK and destroyed the first Keepstar it was ever built and a second Keepstar in the same system and every other structure that was in that system. They eviscerated the place, burned it to the ground, and they did it, um, of course, with their help uh, from Goonswarm and I think even... Um, Snuff was in there as well. It's also had a good year. But Initiative has had another good year, and Triumvirate has really kind of closed its doors and then recently, just yesterday, got tackled as they were moving to low sec to try to like 
I don't know, to try to reform or whatever. So they, they really went in different directions this year, didn't they? Yeah, I think it initiative ended on a strong note. They're like, you know, if uh, the big pack of runners and then at the very last 30 seconds, they're the ones that kind of run. So I think initiative had a, a really strong ending. Uh, try not so much. Uh, they're, they're the ones that kind of <laughs> had kind of a, a bad ending. You know, they got evicted and uh, got caught. And so it's been a little rough for them. Try went through rough times. And I don't know if you if any of you caught the meta show yesterday. Um, DBRB had a couple guests on, and one of them was Captain Patrick Archer, who's most famous in the EVE community from Triumvirate. That's you, most people would, if you know his name, you associate him with Triumvirate. But um, he actually left and joined Skill Yourself about, what was it, a, a month, a week and a half ago? Something like that. He recently joined Skill Yourself. And uh, a number of Triumvirate folks have apparently switched to the Skill Yourself side, which is interesting because the two have been fighting each other in recent weeks. Fighting is a bit of a strong word there. They're more like Skill Yourself is just, I'll have this solved now. And tries, okay. <laughs> CPA actually, um, he left Try. And actually took a bunch of money from his court because he felt that he deserved it. He'd earned it. His court disagreed. They had a difference. And he actually left. He went to NC for a while. Made his way back to Triumvirate. The guy I'm talking about is CPA. And he's like their, their main FC. And he's the one that's recently gone over to skill you. Uh, so he didn't get kicked out, I don't think. Um, but he just found his way to a different group that was on the other side. But anyway, the, the point of this is Triumvirate didn't just die. I think Triumvirate uh, finished off DRF in the early part of the year. They waged a war with Winter. Uh, Triumvirate had a really strong year, at least the first half of the year. And uh, they attacked um, Test and Legacy uh, uh, Coalition. So they were definitely very active. I went and double-checked, and Tri has completed a full cycle this year. So in February... Tri's Keepstar died to the DRF. And so in February, everyone's saying, oh, Tri is going to die because they have lost their war with the DRF. They then proceed to win the war with the DRF, get a whole bunch of SOVs, set up a rental empire, etc. Wage war with Legacy, nearly kill Legacy until UALX things start turning back around, of course, with the help of their allies. And now they're back in the, oh, Tri is dying. They're probably going to die this time. End of the cycle. It's rather amusing that it's almost perfectly lined up with a single year. One year, yeah. So that's triumvirate. And they're not on denominations list this year because of the second half of the year. But otherwise, they had a pretty strong year. So that was last year's winner, along with the initiative. And the initiative had a pretty strong year again this year. I think they were a part of all the major Basically, fights, they right? went from strength to strength. Yeah. Have they grown? Uh, have they? What, what can we say about initiative as a group? I think we've grown, like, uh, you know, from a sort of active player kind of participant sort of angle, I think we have grown. Like, um, you know, six, nine months ago, like calling an alpha, like we would probably get maybe like half to two thirds of a fleet of subs and probably the same again in, in capitals and supers. Now we're like 
now we're pretty much pushing like two full fleets, if not a third. So like, I think we're doing pretty well. Definitely grown in activity. Mm. Looking at in it, I, I do believe you guys have gained numbers this year. But looking at like the number of corpses, I was expecting to see a bunch of corpses having joined initiative this year. But all I'm finding is that it looks like Fuedet was the only major corp to leave the initiative. That happened relatively recently. And then you had four smaller corps leave this year, but no corps joining. Am I missing something? Is like the ESI off or are you just pilots are coming into existing corps, McLeod? Do you know? Um, I don't know. I thought that we've had a fairly, like it, it's it's kind of like mixed between uh, the initiative and the initiative mercenaries. The, 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 the kind of the change we'll probably be seeing is initiative mercenaries because like that's basically our feeder kind of alliance before get, actually getting into initiative proper. So we tend to sort of, we tend to keep people in initiative mercenaries to, you know, in terms of having a look at them and, you know, sort of uh, seeing whether they're, uh, you know, um, whether they, whether they, it sounds really horrible, whether they, whether they're decent stock to actually be in initiative properly. Um, sounds horrible. It does sound horrible. Sound horrible. <laughs> well, you know, Welcome I, to the I qualified that before even saying it. Thank you very much. That doesn't make it less horrible. <laughs> in, initiative arrogance has been seen too, right? I mean, you guys, are starting to talk like PL, and I think, I think you're starting to act like PL in certain ways too. There, were, there was some, there, there has been some internal kind of things, kind of going, guys, like on Reddit, just chill out, be classy, you know, be classy, or don't, like, you know, talk on Reddit whatsoever, sort of thing. But you know, like, uh, it's always difficult when you get new people in to basically uh, acclimatize them to, you know how we do it and you know how we should be kind of classy and on reddit and that kind of stuff like you know the 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 gold standard for that is Malcanus, really so anyway the, what we want to say is that of the last year's winners triumvirate and initiative triumvirate has fallen off this year the initiative stays strong and stays in the running for this year's most influential uh, alliance next uh, we want to focus on horde and uh, what can we say about Horde this last year? Well, they kind of bucked the trend of some of their friends. Uh, it, 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 broad, speaking very broadly about the term friends, but they, folks that they, that they often find themselves on the same side of conflicts with. Um, some of them they're closely related to, like Pandemic Legion. Some of them they're related to, but not as closely, like Guardians of the Galaxy. These guys... They, they've, they've stepped out of the main pack of what the rest of the guys were generally doing and sort of, sort of started forging their own path through the deep snow, to use an analogy. I'm not sure, um, I'm not sure they're right or wrong in what they did or how well it's working out for them so far. I think there are headwinds in places and, and stuff, but if that's one reason I would say, uh, you know, they're doing stuff. I think they've done some interesting things. Not only have they grown from 12,000 to 17,000 members, um, but they've managed to keep it very newbie friendly. Like even Karma Fleet, I don't think they're, they used to be comparable, the same size. I don't think they're the same size anymore. And if they are, I'm sure the activity is different. Uh, if you look at some of the kill boards. I think Horde is a lot uh, bigger 
Uh, and at the same time, they, they did something that was incredible. They actually moved themselves out of the way of a freight train <laughs> that was coming north, right? Pure blind? Yeah, yeah, yep. that was impressive. Mm -hmm. And that happened also in February of this year. I would agree. I think that, you know, this same time last year, you know, you could make a case to say that Horde were pets or something, or, you know, they were, you know, uh, kind of meat shields, but they have just kind of done their own thing and went on their own path. And I think that's just wonderful. Like, it's great. And, you know, from the, the Horde that I've talked to, morale is high and they're having fun and, you know, right on. When when Horde was were in Cloudering and Pureblind, like we really enjoyed like fighting them because they were always very active, very kind of uh, willing to, you know, you know, jump into defensive fleets and you know, sort of uh, come and fight kind of thing. And they they brought it. You know, there were very there were many times where we you know went in there with our doctrines and like didn't really come out there, you know, still you know shiny and everything like that it was it was you know we came out war-torn because they literally threw everything that they could at us so like you know they they knew how to fight but they they also had the intelligence to sort of see you know what was coming further south all the way up to uh you know to the north to uh to kind of get out of the way and they're still doing that same sort of thing over in geminate as well right that's where we have the big fight on christmas day the expected big fight on Christmas Day is because Horde is fighting back against the foreign invaders. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's it. Off the shores, <laughs> out of Ouija board. I think there's uh, um, other stuff that's happened with Horde that is uh, impressive, but we'll we'll wait to maybe reflect on it later. They on. did. They did lose perimeter, so they had had. That's right. That's yes, a sentence. They did have the uh, offshoring, but then they lost it, and yet they're still doing things. When we're talking about influence, we're talking about like influence on the game, either meta game or in the game. And inside the game, that's a lot of influence on HiSec, right? Controlling the markets mm -hmm. in that area. And they did that first and dominated that for a long time. Yes, they lost it, but they established that it could be done. And that is, uh, I think, very influential. And I also was very impressed with moving an entire 10,000-man coalition or woman coalition um, out of the way. That takes a lot of like organizational power. Because it's not just uh, it's not just it's not just moving them away from a like a staging. Like that's that was their home. That was where everybody had been. You know, they'd been positioned for a fairly long period long period of time. Like. You know, they had roots there. They had like resources in stations and stuff there. So, taking all of that and literally transplanting all of that all the way from one side—well, I mean, other side of the galaxy, like maybe maybe a bit of a stretch, but it's pretty far. So you know. Yeah. And again, this isn't who are the best fighters, who are the strongest in Eve or anything like that, but who are doing something interesting and new that's influencing the the evolution of the game. And I think Horde yeah. definitely stepped up this year and did uh, really establish themselves as uh, an entity in and of themselves, not as a pet. Okay, so next group is Skill You. It's uh, Skill Yourself, but I hate that combination of words so much that I refuse to say it. So it's Skill You uh, on this show. 
I'm with I'm with you on that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a stupid gag to make the because uh, they were a tournament team initially, and the gag was to make CCP have to say that on screen over and over and over again. So we just won't play into that. But you cannot deny these guys are not just an alliance tournament group. In fact, they've they formed and grew into, with help from Hard Knocks and Volta, into the fastest super capital power I've seen created in the game. They literally attracted everyone that wanted to have fun in super capital combat without the tie-dye blob fest. One, one thing some observers may have missed this year is that um, uh, Triumvirate ally Lumpy has this year um, been absorbed into skill you i don't know if they y dotted in or how exactly that happened but they're now combined into skill you i love that you used that term that was a fantastic y dot is uh why don't you explain what that's supposed to be crap yeah y dotting (laughs) is a is a normal word in imperial discourse but lexicon uh, yeah that's a terrible thing for me to say on a stream you're right um um wildly inappropriate was an alliance that had the ticker wi and then a period or no they they had the ticker wi and then they merged into one corp the whole alliance merged into one corp took on the ticker wi dot and then moved in as a corp inside of goonswarm federation so why dotting they they were a famous example of it so in in the same way a waxing became a term after a walks became a famous example of a guy who did that so why dotting is when you merge a, an alliance into a corporation for the purpose of joining another alliance is that what lumpy did is there anyone who knows if that's what lumpy did to join the yay thank you don't know but that but that makes sense. Now they have Lumpy. Sorry, did you say Lumpy? Lumpy, sir. Yeah, the Lumpy famous is German. German group, yeah. And they're actually, they're not the same guys that were Evoke back in the day, but they evolved from Evoke. There's a relationship there. Yeah, so these are the descendants of Evoke that went into Skill U. I was going to say another group that went into Skill U this year was Volta, who were major players in the DRF thing and then also down south in the war, I think. But they merged into Skill Yourself after stop being, I think they were a single, for a long time, they were a single corp alliance. Eventually, they got a few more corps in there, but eventually they just said, forget it. And then the main Volta Corp that founded the alliance moved into Skill Yourself this year. So that's also another group. I have a theory, though, that you're going to see a few people pop back out of Skill You into both Lumpy and Volta for tournament season. Just saying. Hmm. And they have to do that a few weeks before the tournament starts. So, But CCP will very graciously provide a deadline date in advance so you know when you have to be moved. <laughs> That's so <laughs> nice of them. <laughs> so that, yeah. Hmm. Call it a little CCP capi- capitulation. That would be the most OP Alliance tournament team if they didn't leave and they just formed one mega team. Like the drama we would get out of that from all of those high-skilled players fighting over spots on the roster would be amazing. So Skill U is a group that has a lot of high-skilled players. They also have heavy, heavy ships, right? They have some of the biggest ships in the game and a lot of them. They grew faster than Test. 
they had more super capitals than test at one point. Uh, so it was astounding um, to see them essentially in a matter of months be created out of nothing. Uh, and I think what happened there was all the people that didn't want to join PL or NC anymore uh, and people who didn't want to join the Imperium or test, you know, thought, well, I'm going to join this other group, the third alternative, because it's neither one of the first two groups. And they're the ones having the most fun because they're dropping on the drone regions, which, you know, could hardly defend itself against supers. And they were just wrecking the place because there really wasn't any natural predator to that, uh, to skill you at that point. I, I also so. want to point out. Yeah, go ahead. Well, when, when they were attacking the drone regions, people were saying, no, I don't know. Drone regions are going to, they've got a lot of super caps up there. Look how many they produce. And then when the actual battles came, token numbers of super caps actually showed up. I have a theory that no, a lot of super caps from drone regions showed up. Most of them showed up on the other side of the fight because they were either sold or coerced or magically whatever into the hands of their enemies and used to beat them up. Just saying. You know, I think, you know, skill yourselves sort of, or skill use sort of thing reminds me of PL 2014, 2015, which is, you know, when a pilot gets to the point where they own a super or they own a Titan, the first thing you want to do is use it. And it's very, it's very limited the amount of times you're actually going to get to use your big toys. And P, one of PL's big kind of draws back in the day was, hey, come to us. We're going to drop supers on stuff and you're going to have some fun. So, so skill is, you know, kind of, they were like that. They were just kind of beating up, you know, uh, on some regions and some areas. But hey, join us. You can use your super and you won't be in a massive tie-dye fight. You'll have some fun. And they also had some cachet, right? I mean, they, they seem like a cool group to belong to. And it's, you know, it's they're kind of rascally and uh, irreverent. And they're, uh, you know, they're the fun group if you want to have fun in this game, that sort of stuff. So the ruffians. Got, yeah, they, they kind of <laughs> got the reputation. I've only met a small number of them in person, but they they were pretty cool. And, and they, one contrast I would make different from PL, though, is that, uh, they've got a uh, a new group energy to them that's sort of more younger feeling for a bunch of old skilled pilots, whereas PL has a a more of an old jaded feeling to them. Uh, an ennui. We've seen it all, folks. In fact, we've seen it all five times in cycles. <laughs> no, no, that's not the energy that you get from skill you. So it has an effect on their on your game experience if you join them. I'm not trying to recruit for them. Ar Artemis, you're a fan of uh, Skill or at least you're impressed by them, right? Well, I'm more disappointed that like when our first draft of these show notes went up for the show, they were not included in the most influential list because these dudes literally formed a rental empire out of nothing. In the process, DRF dies. Right. So that's a massive thing. People said the DRF is just always going to be there. They have too many diplomatic agreements. They're too big. Nope, they're dead. And then <laughs> they also they managed to out of the wreckage of the DRF form a rental empire with a wormhole group of hard knocks, no less, 
Then they're a massive key player in the fight down south, which kicked off this massive war that we just had, which then kicked off the fight between GOTG and Horde and on and on and on. So there's this massive chain of events, all of which stem from skill yourself becoming a major entity in EVE and then doing stuff with their newfound weight. It's like, in my vote, right, when we have our quote-unquote secret ballot, it is going to be skill yourself. I think they are the obvious choice as far as actual influence on this game. Hey, Other players how were involved in various things. <laughs> secret means you can keep it to <laughs> Yeah, There are more candidates we haven't brought up, though. Yeah, so let's go to the next one. Uh, this group is Test Alliance, and I think it's undeniable they've had a very big year. Uh, Test has emerged over time as a, a group that was really disorganized. There was just a lot of them to a group that's just a serious contender for a superpower in this game. Uh, that happened over a long period of time, but this last year is really the culmination of all that work and effort that went into Test two years ago. Uh, what happened with Test is they really after the fountain war which is many years ago went into a type of exile where they shrunk and could barely get anybody involved anymore but then they started recruiting some fcs villi and pro god um, who basically started to build that place back up over time uh, and so this year they've had a big big year because uh why have they had a big year guys they've gone places <laughs> done some stuff They've nearly been evicted and then fought back and didn't get evicted. When I wrote it up, I was I was thinking of like, you know, as you say, like the most influential, like who influenced the most number of number of people or groups of people, you know, like, sort of like, you know, the, the most, uh, you know, literally the most num like in terms of literal numbers. And like the way I kind of saw it was, you know, Tess has had, uh, you know, started off the... Uh, um the year fighting um like basically the 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 increased um uh population of fraternity um as well as you know uh triumvirate um they'd they've invaded high sec and basically you know uh took that from pandemic horde they've come up north you know they've defended their space from um you know the the whole of the um the east and the north kind of coming down south against them and you know they've they, and you know, they've ended up you know ended the year going up north and fighting um you know fighting in lone trek and in and in uh Geminid. so they've they've been they they've fought a lot of different people and they've kind of influenced a lot of different player groups like you know uh nullsec and highsec you know they have kind of gone across the uh uh, across the actual entirety of New Eden as well. So, multiple people in chat have mentioned that they also did the Pravi Station flip thing. That's why that that too as well. Yeah, that's why they got nominated. Uh, so they, there's a couple of things that stand out to me. One is they fought PL pretty regularly, but they beat PL out of um, their area, which was daring for them. That's the first time they'd done anything like that, and they conquered all the stations in Pravi and took nearly a trillion point two out of it. And they won that whole thing of the station conversion. And there's no denying the test won that. Um, they also they also had the battle of UALX, which was another turning point for them where they actually 
not only beat PL or essentially trap them, uh, but PL plus other alliances like Skill U and uh, Hard Knocks and uh, you know, even NC was in that fight. These are two gigantic turning points in the game. Ron, you're from Test. What's it like? You know, I, I think you just said it, you know, which was uh, this past year has been our biggest year um, in essence of turning things around. And that goes, you know, to Vili and to ProGod. And when UALX happened, the day before that fight, it was doom and gloom. It was, does everyone have everything packed up? You know, we don't know which way this is going to go. We might be evicted. And Vili just kind of put his foot down and was like, you know what? We're going we're gonna to either die trying or we're going to, you know, win. And we're going to put everything in. And then that's, you know, when we dropped like 600, 700 dreads and just went completely, you know, uh, crazy on trying to defend that. And winning that fight and trapping PLN, I think, was a very hard turn for us from someone that's just trying to scrap together, you know, esoteria and trying to trying to get by into now we are, you know, sort of the visionaries of our own future rather than just getting kind of pushed around and what can we, you know, scrap together from these other entities. But now we're like, okay, so this is the way we're going. And that's all to Vili and Pro God and, and all of that. I mean, it's been a crazy year for us, crazy. I'd like to point out that the Imperium did help with that particular battle somewhat. You know, two two super cap fleets, one armor and one shield, come to mind and such. So there was some support. Absolutely. You have to say though that you know, in that kind of sense, um, Tess did pick up and dial the right bat phone. So that's what I was going to say. Their diplomacy, putting together that coalition. Hang on, hang on. There was no other bat phone to pick up. Everybody else was shooting them. <laughs> Like that was, what were they gonna bat phone Pravi block? Like after <laughs> uh, no, after there was there was some tension between Goonswarm and um Test after oh gosh, what was it? Was it nine tech There's four? There's always been bad after blood. After nine tech always. four, there was some tension. Uh you could Aerith was threatening Vili yeah. on you know, calling him out for for planting a fortazar too close to their territory and it was a lot of tension there and i think Vili Vili didn't drop that that was an accident okay yeah. whatever happened there was some tension there it was uh, handled this, quickly and this is another important point that artemis uh winks at and that is pl attack test and had a thing for test uh, i don't know exactly why because they used to be allies in the honey badgers a long long time ago but there's some things that have happened since that was a critical mistake in the eyes of people in the north because it really pushed test away from the coalition the money badgers which is not the honey badgers but the money badgers because as a part of the money badgers they were able to displace and beat uh, the imperium but by pl picking on test and knocking them away and frustrating them and making them an enemy they drove them into the hands of the imperium and making the uh, legacy Imperium coalition, which has really dominated this year. I think that ship sailed when NC and PL pushed 
CO2 out of tribute, and then Test had to move down south because they figured, well, we're obviously going to be next. So they just opted out of a forced eviction and moved on their own. So I think that ship sailed long before PL joined the invasion force down south, but it certainly didn't help things, you're right. I mean, it's as you guys said earlier about Skill U. It, it's that chain of events. This is Bard Ghost, uh, who's joined us a little bit late. Hi, Bard Ghost. Hey. Sorry, yeah. It's it's like what was said about Skill U earlier. It, it's the chain of events that has slowly and surely led on since last year or even the year before. You know, they were pushed out of the north, which led them down south. And then from there they've grown and slowly become more allied with the Imperium rather than who they were allied with up north. By the way, McLeod, can you turn off the snow and see if the lag clears so people are complaining about that? Yeah, uh, particle effects create lag. Okay, I will do. All right, and so Test has done a number of things um, this year. I think they've had a, a really strong year. Um, so is the Imperium, but the Imperium is almost too broad because... Uh, you know, is it Goonsworm? Is it Initiative? Is it Bastion? <laughs> so we decided to uh, talk about uh, the Initiative who's doing the most interesting things. Otherwise, it's kind of the Imperium SIGs that are doing it, not necessarily a certain alliance or anything. I, I was going to kind of say, like, you know, you could kind of also make the, uh, make the argument that uh, Initiative being able to do what they've done has also, you know, been, you know, off the back of... Uh, you know, having this r exceptionally strong coalition, uh, you know, ready, uh, ready to come up and help. You know, right? It's they they haven't done it on their own, which is uh, which is different. I think. I mean, we we may have instigated a lot of stuff. We may have tried to sort of you know we we may try and kind of uh, you know do a lot on our own, but that is there is also that uh, that other case of you know even if you do take us on, chances are like we can probably you know, bat foam goons uh, very, very quickly and have them, you know, on field very quickly as well. So In, I have seen the initiative uh, ally with other people than the Imperium too. I've seen them, you know, pull a surprise. Okay, we're working with Snuff on this one. Okay, we're working with, or and then it, there was one time, okay, Guardians of the Galaxy were on their side this time. Like, what? Yeah, they pull some surprises out. All right, the last group um, in the organization, and we'll talk about some honorable mentions real quick first. Go ahead. Uh, honorable mentions for this, uh, before we get to the last group, is um, uh, snuffed out, of course, because of the uh, amount of um, stuff they do all the time uh, in low sec generally uh, is pretty, pretty good. But it's Snuff has been instigating stuff. And it's been surprises. They have, but I wouldn't say they've they've been influential in in the changing of the game. It's more more of like their their play style is kind of just dying, really. If anything, so they're kind of like the last kicks of a certain kind of group. I don't know. For the last kicks, they're make managing to make it look exciting. I wouldn't. Uh, I I would agree that they haven't had as big an effect on the entire game as some of these players have, but. Um, I wouldn't say their gameplay is dying. I don't see that yet. They say that. They say that, not me. But they, their their excitement level is good, but I just think that they haven't really pushed the game forward in a way. Uh, next group, Streamfleet, who has 
who isn't a presence in the game, but they're a group of streamers that uh, coalesce to show the game to other non-players. We want to honorably mention them. Uh, they also did uh, the Talking and Station show in Vegas for us. They produced it all, and uh, they produced a bunch of other stuff as well. So uh, good for them. That's a lot of <clears throat> player volunteerism there at work for, for the rest of the players, which is great. So they had a good year too. Um, we also have to look at the news, and there's basically a few places to get your Eve news fix if you want it. One is INN, which has kind of established itself as um, um, the consistent group that's going, because Eve News 24 kind of fell off and became very inconsistent. But there was also the rise of NER last year, and NER's New Eden Report. And um, they were very ambitious putting out a report every day for a few days, for a few weeks, <laughs> because it's hard to do, and there's no doubt. And everybody... If, and uh, so that's from Hugh. Um, and when he put out that report about everything that happened that day, and he did that daily, all you could see in the comments was, don't burn out, please. We love these. Like, slow down. Don't kill yourself because, you know, keep them going. And so they put them, now they do them every three days or something. He got busy. So it's now once a month, it looks like. Um, and that's typical. I think when you come out wanting to talk about Eve, there's a fever to do it because you're learning all this stuff and people are throwing in to help you. And that's the story of NER. It's founded by Kurt, uh, who brought Hugh. And both those guys are from EN24. And they started up uh, NER. And they had a lot of help, I think, from the community that joined them and threw them information and wanted to see them grow as an alternative, let's say, to INN and News 24 So they had a pretty good year, too. And we'll mention them. Um, the last group we want to talk about is the fifth and final uh, organization that we'll focus on, and that is Bomber's Bar. Uh, this is a, a popular group outside of NullSec and um, really most organized players. Ironically, they're forming right now. Yeah, and that's what they do over and over and over again. They form many fleets per day, basically, and give people who want to play this game casually and not be affiliated with all the politics a chance to participate in the PvP action without really having to do all the um, buy-in that NullSec players or low-sec players have to do with alliances and organizations, right? You know, I would, I would almost say, I, I wouldn't call out Bombers Bar in particular as much as the NBSI fleets. You know, over the past year, the amount of these fleets has you know, you have the streamers doing them, you have random groups doing them. And a lot of people are just kind of open to that. You know, hey, whoever wants to come fight, come join. And if you're a high secker and you've never been in that fleet and got, you know, and had the FC yelling at you and, and doing all this kind of fun stuff, it's a really great way to kind of uh, be able to participate in that level of gameplay, you know? So I, I think... You know, I, I like Bombers Bar, but I would I would add to that and just say all the not blue shoot it fleets are just doing a great job this year. Yeah, and PSI. Spectre Fleet and Bombers Bar are two different groups. Well, it's a case too of a, a play style within Eve that has um, an unexpected gift arrive in terms of the culture of Twitch TV and streaming. So that there's a natural synergy between an NPSI fleet and uh, live streaming. And, and, you know, Pandemic Legions 
based gameplay didn't benefit from some surprise external source cultural change like that. Um, but and PSI fleets did. And it's it's cool because you get to for new players, they get to get an exposure to this life, this play style. It looks exciting. It's a visual style. It doesn't involve quite as much sitting perfectly still on a Titan and waiting. You know, it's, there's more visual happening. There, there's some, you know, there was some nice uh, providence happening for them. No pun intended. And no one mentioned Goon Swarm in yet. As a we didn't mention Goon Swarm because um, this year they had a lot. First of all, it's we didn't mention Imperium. Imperium would have been a no-brainer. They seriously influenced the game as a as a group. Um, so we didn't mention Goon Swarm as honorable mention or uh, most influential because I, I I'm not sure that they like evolved. I don't think they did anything that was unexpected. They just were a juggernaut, and that is influence in one's aspect, right? They can they push the game around pretty much. Um, but I don't think they really did anything new. And the SIGs did a lot of that work that broke through the gates. And then you saw everybody else come with the armor fleets and stuff like that. Uh, what I would give them credit for is the stability they built in the systems that allow them to create wealth and the, mach you know, the machine of uh, building their arsenal. I would give them credit for that stability. Yeah, that that and they're not really on a one-year cycle. They're on a multi-year cycle, and we're on this piece of this arc. Um, uh, I would argue that Aerith kind of set us on this path a couple years ago, and we're still on that uh, cycle. Um, it's going in the direction they intended. Uh, they are making little course corrections and tweaks behind the scenes, but those are not life-shattering sh and, and things to talk about. Uh, here, I might get in trouble. Hopefully, my mic's a little bit better. If it's not, then I'm, I apologize. Um, but uh, yeah, like Goonswarm uh, and Imperium as a kind of whole has been a, a bit of a like a like like the microwave background for Eve Online uh, as such for uh, the entire year. So kind of difficult to be able to like contemplate their um, you know their influence when it's like almost all-encompassing, if you know what I mean. They you know, weren't involved in the death of the DRF in any major way. They weren't involved in the Pravi eviction in any major way. They weren't involved in the okay, high-sec okay. perimeter offshoring market in any major way. Their SIGs, well, which is the SIGs yeah. of the Imperium as a whole, as I understand it, not just the SIGs of Goonswarm, the Alliance, were involved in the North. They were involved or are currently involved in Geminate, but that's, as I said, not Goonswarm. That's a SIG of the Imperium. So we can't highlight Goonswarm as being influential when it's really pulling from all of the Imperium groups. And it did the HK thing, and it was involved in all the stuff that Goonswarm itself was involved in as well. And it has been influential in terms of evolving the EVE meta, like Boosh Ravens, other Bushy fleets that they had before Boosh Ravens were a thing, et cetera, et cetera. So like Goonswarm did a lot. Other groups did more. They're more influential. Right. Artemis' uh, Smackdown initiated. <laughs> um, totally understandable. I, I, I was kind of, uh, yeah, I, I, I should have expected that. <laughs> Artemis isn't a big Goonswarm fan. 
<laughs> All right, so you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this in. Uh, here are the nominees in chat, and you guys, you can you can say who you want. Oof. So I'll read it to you. It's uh, in the initiative, horde, skill you, test, bombers bar. Which of those groups do you think had the most influence on evolving the game, evolving the meta? <laughs> I will say one thing the goons did as a whole. Uh, they really embraced industry. You know, historically, mining has always been looked down upon, you know, as, you know, the, the, the various things that people who can't play, but they really embraced industry and Rorkles and bragged about it. And it was kind of funny, and it, but it was good. It was funny. Well, I mean, I've... can we be honest? If, if we selected them, the show would be over in five minutes. Like, we've, we've got to give some attention to some other people. No, that's not, that's not how we're doing it. Uh, it's not like <laughs> they're too big to, they're too big to win. It's, Oh, I'm it's, not it's like that. who's I'm, who's mutated like when we look back when we look back at last year and we said initiative was a group to look at and we said try was a group to look at we were right because we'd looked at them all year and they had a pretty influential effect on this year and we're doing the same thing we're looking at groups that that, that worked out this year and we're saying who do we look at as a power player this year and next year like who's coming up that's gonna that's gonna be a real power broker who's mutated the game in some way to change the game okay. uh so that's that's who we're voting on and give me your give me dms guys and i'll i'll just uh, tabulate them and then i'll i'll totally totally ignore them and say what i want <laughs> <laughs> that's how it works anyway right pm bomb lateral quick well just just the guys in this room we'll just take those guys but yeah okay so initiative uh, pandemic horde, uh, skill U test and bombers bar. Uh, it, it, this was not unanimous in any way. Um, but, and I think this is well-deserved. I think the, the organization that had the most influence on Eve in 2018 was test Alliance. So congratulations to them. That's uh, a tough. Well, <laughs> One's going to take the trophy for uh, for test. <laughs> I didn't vote for test. I voted for uh, skill you too, as much as I don't like their name because I I think they've done very dynamic. But I I, uh, I do think that test definitely deserves it this year as well. And so yeah, test wins the most influential organization, and we're going to invite them, their leaders, their FCs uh, to the show next week, uh, the New Year's Eve show, and that's actually on the thirtieth. So it's not a New Year's Eve show. Close All to right. New Year's as we can get. Congratulations, test. All right. Yeah. So okay, let's um everybody want to shake shake it out for a second. We're gonna um move on to the I'm, most I'm actually gonna oh. take this opportunity to bow out and go to bed. So thanks for the fun. Enjoy the rest of the show. It is literally it's technically the middle of the day, but I live on AUTZ, so it is exactly the middle of the night for me right now. So have fun, Twitch, and Artemis, the rest of the You want to give us your uh, vote for most influential player real quick before you go? Just throw it out? Hmm. Hmm. You know, this is a tough one. I think it's it's going to have to be skilling yourself, you know? I just... It's tough. <laughs> player. Really close. Player. But it just... Oh, player. Not a player. 
Pilot. Can you play it? Play it. Play it. Player. My let's I, let's do this one differently. This is the most influential okay. player now. We're just going to read the five, and then we'll go and discuss them. Oh, Artemis took off, so we, we didn't we didn't get him for that. So okay. <laughs> I I no, totally okay. said Gobbins. Gobbins is my vote. Oh, Gobbins. Okay. Yeah. Gobbins. Okay. okay. So the nominate nominees are Gobbins, Brisk Ruval, Elo Knight, Pandorolica, Pando for short, and Pro God Legend. So, okay, let's go through these guys and see why they uh, were nominated. We'll start with uh, Brisk Rubal, who's on the show occasionally. Okay, he brought, he brought a fresh uh, dynamic to CSM. Uh, he brought a fresh dynamic to the, um, before the CSM, to the CSM election process, to, to the process of um, uh, going out for off, what do you call it, um, I know other candidates who changed the way they were approaching the CSM election because they saw his video, such as Sullen. Sullen went out, Decimus went out and made a great video too, because the pressure was on him. He had to go do something. You could go look that up if you want. It has um, it raises game. One, yeah, it was all done in one take. It was pretty cool, but yeah, um, but you know, brisk. Raise the the water, raise the bar on uh, on CSM campaigning, and then he has been active in the campaign, and he's been active about going out and talking to groups to find their to solicit in advance their feedback and then bring it to CCP. He's been great about that, despite all of the uh, all of the um, lambastering that some groups have kind of leveraged on him as well. He got top damage on a keep star kill. <laughs> mm, this is true. That's good campaigning. Um, I do. I we you know we skipped a part, and I'll go back for it for just a second. Sorry about that. Last year, the winner of the most influential player of the game was Aerith from Goonswarm, and he Amen. was credited with building the plan that allowed the Imperium to kind of become a financial power and a industrial power as well as a military power. And that took some convincing. And so that's why he got it last year. He wasn't nominated this year, unfortunately, because a lot of the stuff that he was working on that was high profile didn't pan out exactly the way it was supposed to pan out, I think. And if you look at it, um, there, was, there was some, as he admitted, some bottlenecks in the system that they weren't able to work out. So the financial plan has run into some limitations. It wasn't, it's not able to scale as quickly and they're working on that but that was what he said when he described what was going on with their plan the second thing is um he put together a deal that kind of fell through diplomatically with the seventh seventh estate i think it was and that was Gentan's group and he was uh arranging to have them moved up to um pure blind in order to secure the area and just kind of become a buffer and that totally fell through when it was discovered that Jay Mary was involved. And uh, I think his own people in Goonswarm were like, nope, 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 we're not touching that guy. So forget all that. I actually think it was the opposite. I think that group came to Goonswarm and said, hey, we'd like to go have this space here and we're going to go take it. Do you have any problems with that? And initially, no one said, hmm, 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 I guess, I guess. And then at one point, Aerith was like, wait a second. And Aerith stepped in and stopped it not Aerith was the originator of it. 
I would. I, I don't would think say he that one. I think it was stopped by uh, the lead diplomat Marana, and it was stopped because INN had discovered that Jay was involved. Is that what? Isn't that the series of events? So if that if, that, if what you're saying is true, then I misunderstood the situation. But I, that's how I understood. Okay. And the and the last thing was the deal. Uh, the deal that went up, which was uh, an interesting way to extract wealth out of a defeated opponent, uh, not dead, but defeated opponent. Um, oh, that, yeah, the deal with uh, Sword Dragon. The deal really short-circuited the uh, the complete destruction of the North. Like, I think that Goonsworn had such momentum. Initiative wanted to do it. I think a lot of F1 uh, players in Goonsworn wanted to do it. They wanted to continue fighting in the North. The FCs might have been tired, and that might have been the reason they were going to stop the campaign anyway. I'm fairly confident they were going to stop the campaign anyway. But the deal was a way to extract some wealth on their way out. So that was a pretty interesting move. It had the added benefit of breaking relations between some of the northern powers. But it wasn't a significant break that lasted very long, as we see now. Uh, so it, it, the, a lot of the stuff that Aerith had put together didn't really pan out. And so that's why he's not on the nomination list. So the people who have made a difference in EVE this year, uh, not last year, but this year, is uh, some, Brisk is the person that we were talking about at first, who's really brought a whole high level of communication with um, players, responding to them, showing up on talk shows, treating, treating the EVE players like constituents and really uh, coming to them over and over in any avenue that he could to talk to them, to tell them what's going on, and then to defend their interests inside of CSM itself. Uh, and this is uh, specifically with some wormhole changes that he was the only person who was actively defending. Um, oh, and I should say, and that's a contrast to Aerith, who was also on the CSM, but Aerith came out and really disgraced CSM by telling wormholers to fuck off, basically. Uh, Pretty much. Not which is, which is really not respecting the institution of representation. <laughs> That's not a good choice. <laughs> yeah. and, and Brisk, I think, kind of did the opposite. And, and you know what? Killer B did the same thing. So, so, uh, so I think Brisk yeah. represented CSM a bit better than the other guys did. And Jintan, who usually took that role, has kind of disappeared. So he's not on the list either. All right, but let's see who, who else is on this list because there's some interesting people here. Uh, Elo Knight is another person that has reemerged. He's a familiar name to EVE players. He's probably one of the best FCs that's ever played this game. He's feared and respected. Uh, and he's always, always entertaining. He is like that star athlete that you just want to watch play this game. Uh, he, and his magic is always done with a group. It's not a one-on-one -on -one player or a tournament player or anything like that. His, he, he just handles a group better than... You know, it makes them so nimble that it's amazing to watch. Yeah, you know, Elo Knight is great because it, you you can put Elo anywhere and up around him forms Black Legion, <laughs> no matter where he's standing, where he's at. And also, you know, he's a really nice guy and he's a great, great FC. He's a lot of fun, you know, uh, to fly with. And one if, if it's one person, one person just, you know, kind of comes out like a phoenix and then all Black Legion forms around him and they're off there, they're doing great things. So, yeah. Well, I also, I think it's not just the same Black Legion that forms, but they're always pretty good. Like, I haven't seen a Black Legion form that wasn't a threat, a real threat. And I mean a threat to the highest groups in 
in Eve, like, you know, a, a threat to PL, a threat yep. to NC, a threat to a goon swarm. Um, I mean, they're not a threat to delve in a significant, significant way, but they are, uh, you know, they, they don't just go and, and, and rattle low sec or, some, right. you know, fed up or somebody like that. They, they really go after the big game. <laughs> and the one guy they have in common is that one guy, Elo Knight. So, so he is possibly one of the most influential and he came back in February and he's, uh, built it back up out of nothing. All right. It's impressive. It really is. Next, we have uh, Gobbins. Somebody want to talk about Gobbins? Well, I mean, with everything that uh, Pandemic Horde have done, like, I mean, that's Gobbins basically spearheading most of it, right? Yeah, Gobbins is the CEO and leader of Pandemic Horde. But not only is he the leader of Pandemic Horde, but he's really kind of the, the guy who brought it into existence and, 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 and saved it. You know, if you think about hard decisions that he's made this year, he's had to to make some really big decisions this year. And, you know, I I really appreciated him bowing out of the high sec. And he just said, hey, you know what? This was uh, something that we didn't know if we were going to be able to hold. And we're lucky to have it this long. So adios, high sec. You know, he's made some really big decisions. The move you know, who to align with. It's, it's pretty impressive what he's done so this year. I think there's also, uh, from having conversations with him myself, uh, I don't know what he's like as a leader. I'm not in Horde or anything like that. Um, and I know at some points he frustrates NC. Um, and, but I think that there's uh, the, the, the unsaid story that isn't surfaced very well is just what, what the psychology is for the North. They see the South in, in Goon Swarm building a financial empire and using it to build a war machine. And they're not able to repl replicate that success because they're holding on to their old way of thinking, which was we're a smaller group, but we're more powerful. We're more experienced and we have these ships and we know how to actually use the mechanics to win. So a smaller group, more elite is the way the North has kind of always modeled itself. And it's very resistant to changing that. Uh, and, and this goes back historically years and years and years ago when Goon Swarm comes out of a society and they know they're bad at the game. They say they're bad at the game and they totally embrace it and they don't judge each other by it, by how many times they die. And that kind of a culture is like everybody just have fun and there's tens of thousands of us and we'll clog their cannons with our bodies. You know, that's their whole style. And whereas the... And NC dot and PL, these are all leg legacy groups that are the early players of the game who were good at this game. And it was an honor to be a part of those groups. And if you were one of them, you were like in the top ranks of Eve and you were just a powerful player at that point. <laughs> and so that's what they clung onto for a very, very long time. But, but what was happening in the game in the last year and a half, two years, maybe three, is that it's been really moving towards getting more players involved, not less, and spreading out the access to the game. And all the changes that CCP have done in NullSec have kind of reflected that. Uh, so Goonswarm was perfectly positioned for that because they had more people, uh, whereas the, the North, PLNC, and I would say the GOTG to some degree, or, or Dead Alliance, is kind of a feeder group to those two. 
wasn't wasn't prepared to make that change. Now, here's why I think Gobbins plays a critical role in 2018. <laughs> Sorry, uh, <laughs> I I need to. Um, what's interesting is there was a. There was people on both sides of the argument. Let's let's just do it better the way that we've been doing it. And the other way is no, look, we need to actually recruit more people and break down our barriers and let you know people get in there. Uh, let, we need to get more people in order to compete. And I think on the one side you had Pfeiffer and Gobbins trying to say, look, we need to do it this way. And on the other side, you had Vince who wasn't convinced and you had um, uh, maybe Headliner. I, I don't want to speak for him. I don't know his opinion on this. Or even Elise saying, yeah, well, that's all good and fine, but we really can't support that or whatever. But anyway, this last year, I think Gobbins was able to demonstrate what it, what it will be like if they do their own empire model. And that wasn't adopted easily, and it took a long time, but I think it is adopted now. And so I think that's what makes Gobbins a very interesting player uh, this year because he was able to change the mindset of the entire North to move more towards empire building instead of renter, uh, just straight out renting and stuff. Which is a difficult thing to do. Like if you're actually fundamentally changing someone's mindset. Yeah, it didn't happen fast. And people didn't just listen to him because he's Gobbins. It took a long time, a lot of convincing, a lot of examples, a lot of failures on the North's part to resist the Imperium. Uh, and a lot of things, but, you know, to keep chipping away at that rock, you know, to finally be able to do that. I think that's a big deal. He's like trying to drop that little, that kind of, uh, that little idea into, uh, into Vince's head, like, uh, like Inception. Yeah. And also you have like the conquest of high sec initially for most of the year, that was his idea. And or at least under him, they did that. And they also moved out of pure blind. And that was a very politically risky thing to do is to basically say, we're not standing in the way of this. You know, we're getting pummeled and we're not going to be meat shields for NC and darkness and horde, uh, uh, GOTG. So we're going to move ourselves out of that way. Uh, and they did that. And that's politically a dangerous thing to do. It would become persona non grata for, for basically leaving a big hole in a, in a, in a space where your enemy's coming up. But he managed to do that and survive the politics of it. And, uh, you know, if you look at it, he also transformed Horde into um, really one of the more credible alliances in the North uh, in this last year, I think. What do you guys think? Well, they've been a force to reckon. Right? The size. Yeah. I mean, that's a massive amount of players going from twelve to 17,000. That's a lot. Okay. Next person we have is Pando. Yay. Yay. Pando's kind of, Pando's a catalyst for uh, stuff happening. Pando is someone who um, hears an idea and nurtures it and makes it go forward. He does. Um, he does that really well. If you compare it for a moment to, uh, to Gobbins, Gobbins kind of is, is a little bit like, um, Horde's version of Aerith. Um, he's he's trying to put together a, um, uh, I don't want to say evil mastermind plan. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. Who are you talking? Who, who are you talking about right now? Uh, Gobbins. Um, for, oh, uh, that's what I'm comparing them to for a second. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. um, Gobbins is kind of um, being an Aerith, 
but Pando is being a catalyst. Pando is being, sometimes he's an Elo Knight and he's a, he's a, a, an FC, a great FC. Sometimes he's inventing a doctrine. Sometimes he is uh, nurturing a plan. Uh, sometimes he's actually even almost like a diplomat. I see some stuff he does behind the scenes and I'm impressed. More so than I do. He's also an amazing theory crafter, right? He, he developed the, uh, the three guide ravens, which is a play on, oh, what's the show? Three-eyed raven. Three-eyed raven, yeah, three from raven. Game of Thrones. Thrones. Yeah, so three guide, uh, those are guidance systems. Ravens are something that he developed. And those are the ones that are called, we call them in NC jumpy ravens because they jump around. And uh, <laughs> that, that, that was designed specifically to counter you guys, like just dropping caps on everything rather than dropping subcaps and stuff. Like it was a point where we had to be like, you know what? Like we have to, we have to be able to counter this in some way, shape or form. So let's figure out a way. And like, you know, Pando kind of spearheaded that. And, you know, that's, that was, that was all down to you guys in NC and MC basically uh, defending stuff in, in syndicate by just dropping caps on it. I don't want to take the not popular opinion, but I would say that, yeah, from from my point of view, I think Pando has done, uh, you know, some great things, but I don't know if he, I think there's a lot of really great FCs that do that kind of content generation and, and theory craft. I think there's a lot, uh, you know, in various different organizations. So I don't know if he's, you know, up there with Gobbins or Elo kind of thing, um, but I would say that he's, you know. He's getting there. He's, yeah, he's getting there. That's right. He's getting there. From an influence standpoint. Yeah, from an influence standpoint, yeah. Uh, yeah, I can see where you come from. One of the things I do like about Pando is that he, uh, when, a lot of, when a lot of people kind of think of, you know, oh, how can we, you know, defend against this or attack that? Like, people think higher and higher and higher, bigger ships, bigger ships and bigger ships. Like, you know, um, we, you know, he got to the point where he was, you know, when we were using battleships and, like, you know, people would generally maybe think, you know, going higher than that. But he just, he, he threw it right the way back to frigates, you know, right the way back to... Uh, to you know, assault frigates and bombers and that kind of stuff, for his next doctrine, kind of uh, his next play on doctrine on a, on a you know, uh, well, I mean, it was an outstanding doctrine anyway, but like he he put his he put his own like twist to it, and uh, I think it's a, I think it shows, I think it's a very much a his kind of flavor of his style of kind of uh, uh, mm -hmm. fleet now. Yeah, I know he's very popular. He's he's a mastermind at uh, theory crafting, even before any of this other stuff, just putting stuff together. He's creating new concepts. He's evolving metas in ways that other people haven't thought of and executing them very, very well. Uh, so he's really in top form. And of course, the destruction of HK and just uh, planting the seeds for that, making that possible and holding it silent, right? is uh it speaks volumes of like how methodical and cautious he is and uh just like forward thinking he's a pretty humble dude to be completely honest yeah yeah well that's why we get to talk about him because he'll never say this about himself but yeah so there's so that's pando out of the initiative he really is the success of initiative in many ways 
uh, over the last uh, year or two. He, he will also say that, you know, it's not all him. He has a big team behind him that, al that allows him to be able to do what he does. So, you know, there's always that. That's what, that's what Sister Bliss says, too. It's like, hey, it's, it's you know, it's, <laughs> it's a team effort, dude. Yeah. Like, you know, initiative insider, super humble. It's the F1 guys that are starting to get out there and talk about yeah. how great they are. Yeah. All right. Um, the last person on this list, or we should do an honorable mentions, then we'll go to the last person. Honorable mentions here, actually, uh, what, uh, we want to give it, give some, give the spotlight to a few people. One is Commander A's, who managed to influence in a very big way uh, Eve um, to function. Vegas. Uh, Eve Vegas to function. Yeah. Yeah. So he really saved the day for Eve Vegas. Uh, technically, he helped CCP out when CCP was really. Uh, trapped, and uh, he was like the only guy in the world that could do it, and made it happen. So it's pretty, it's pretty amazing to see that how those events came together. But so that you, if you don't know this story, CCP shipped a bunch of stuff. It got stuck in customs. Commander A's in real life has something to do with that. So he called customs and was able to get them released. And uh, that was something that was beyond anybody's control. So it was neat to see a player step in and be able to resolve a huge problem like that. So. And uh, not wanting to dox him in any way, shape, or form, because it is public knowledge, uh, and not just like sort of like out there on one web page somewhere in the, the you know the the ether of the internet, but like you know fairly well known kind of knowledge. You know, if and when the natural disasters do start to like really pile up on the United States, it'll be good to know. A's, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Uh, another thing that A's is uh, well known for is for running for CSM. I think he has been unsuccessful in like four attempts, maybe five. Six. Six. But he's always I running. I believe this was a six. Yeah. And the issues that he cares about are issues that end up becoming issues that get resolved by CCP. So even if he's not on CSM, he's, it looks like he is having an influence on the game. <laughs> it was five times, not six. Yeah, that's right. That's what I thought. And uh, so even if he's not winning, he's still having an influence on the game. And he's always around talking in stations, Discord, hanging out. So he's really just part of the family here. So, uh, but definitely want to recognize him and his uh, contributions as an influential player, an honorable mention. Another honorable mention, I don't know very well, but he was put up uh, by the public and his name was Warden Murden. Warden Murden is a French player. I believe he has, uh, if he isn't on Eve Radio, he's, he's on something like it. And so he really uh, entertains players in French. Uh, and apparently he's drawn a lot of people to the game. So there is a Spanish guy. There's a Spanish guy that's equivalent to that. Who's brought in a ton of new players and it's all done in Spanish. And there is an even localization for Spanish. And uh, I couldn't get information on his name, but uh, we definitely want to look into him as well as an influential player. The last honorable mention will be Lumio. Uh, who was just kind of a fun narrative in Providence. Uh, Lumio was influential in that he really inspired Test <laughs> uh, as they went in to avenge Lumio when they took over Providence, and that was kind of funny. Well, we have not seen the last of Lumio. We just haven't. Certainly not. <laughs> He's <Yeah>. here. He's <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> All right. And so the last and final um, most influential player is Pro God Legend from Test. Uh, he is an FC. Of course, most of the people who are influential players are FCs because they really push around the most amount of weight. 
create the most amount of activity. So it's very easy uh, to see why they would be selected. Um, ProGod Legend, at the beginning of the year, uh, wrote a Reddit post saying there's going to be a, a, a million dollar fight that caught the attention and imagination of the public, drew in a lot of players. I think we had, because of that post, we had a ton of attention on the 9-Tac-4 fight, which ended up being the biggest fight that has the Guinness Book of World's record has said any video game, any video game has ever seen. There was over, we can confirm because we had Fozzie cryptically tell us, uh, there were over 10,000 players ready to be involved in that fight. And here's the interesting part. There were over 10,000 players wanting to fight in that arena. But online, there were 33,000 players at the time. That means that 23,000 players had nothing to do with 9-Tac-4 when it was happening. It almost feels like Atlas. Yeah. Of those 10,000 players, only 6,200 or 300 were able to get into the system to actually fight. And so that's what's recorded not the 10,000 number. So when they say the biggest fight in EVE was 6,000 players, that's technically true, but really it's 10,000 players. And the fans that were watching it were 12,500 as Talking In Stations went live on INN to bring you the fight live. And we went on for eight hours and we had Vili with us telling us what was going on in that fight. And that was a really interesting fight, but it really showed like the, the first of major collisions that would happen all year long. Uh, so Pro God's credited for generating a lot of act. Uh, even though Tess wasn't involved in that fight, generating a lot of um, publicity for it. Well, 9-Tech yeah. 4, uh, but ProGuard was also instrumental in the fight in UALX, which I think is the most important fight of 2018, frankly. Uh, and I think ProGuard was um, not only in there FCing along with Billy, but he's the guy that uh, once the Keepstar was destroyed in that fight, because PL and, and Triumvirate and all that, that group that was attacking actually destroyed the deployed Keepstar. So their mission was accomplished, even though they got trapped in the process. But when they destroyed it, ProGod put down a few hours later, a new Keepstar right on top of them. <laughs> that kind of a bold move was like pretty amazing. So I, I do think it was like, you know, that that is a legendary kind of a move uh, to do something like that. He repeated that recently when uh, they test actually invaded um, hordes protected high sex space destroyed I choose you uh, or removed them and placed the first high sec keep star in perimeter which is now doing gangbuster business <laughs> with um, <laughs> the rush on skill injectors and stuff like that so they will eventually make their money back uh, but PGL was a big part of a lot of the visibility of the things that Tess did, uh, even though Vili probably did a lot of the planning and negotiating and diplomatic stuff like that. I think ProGod, definitely, uh, his visibility went way up in some of the dramatic things that he did. Yeah, you know, and ProGod is great with creating the story uh, that increases morale and gets everyone involved. You know, when we were up in the North, you know, his thing was, hey, we want to be a superpower. And if you want to be a superpower, we have to build supers. And to do that, we have to have space. So then we all moved down to Esoteria. And then UALX happened, you know, and I, I think that there's a lot of people, uh, you know, that are in there kind of making those decisions and, and kind of talking. But, you know, PGL is like that kind of face. He's the one that's giving the speeches and, and the talks. And then 
you know, when after UALX, he's like, hey, now we're going to punish, uh, you know, fraternity. And this is what we're going to do. And those were some really great fights. Uh, fraternity is a, is a great group to fight against. And then when the, uh, fraternity left the scene, then he's like, okay, well, now we're going to go up and punish <laughs> up north and we're going to take over high sec. And that's created, you know, a, a story that people can get behind. And it's fun, you know, for players and in the sense of these kind of grand, you know, kind of content makers, you know, you know, or, uh, you know, somebody who's saying, you know, the, the kind of instigators, like, hey, this is this is our crusade right now for the next three or four months, and we're going to be successful and everyone's going to have fun. So, you know, I'm a big fan of PGL, um, you know, and, and he is, you know, one of the driving forces along with Billy, you know, that have kind of pushed us into the this amazing year that we've had in 2018. Um, there's a couple other people that didn't show up on this list, and I guess there are honorable mentions too. And, and I just want to go over them really quickly because they're kind of players that, that are well-known or you should watch. And one of them was Wind Spirits, uh, who was the, um, the guy that was kind of guiding the upswell of Chinese players uh, in fraternity and uh, created kind of a movement, an exciting movement. People were taking notice of it. He unfortunately uh, had real life to do, so he was not able to kind of see that through. He handed it off to uh, Naros, who um, is also a really nice guy and was uh, involved in a lot of the stuff that followed. But it, it seemed like Fraternity and the Winter Coalition didn't really fulfill all the expectations that were coming through, but they should be mentioned, and especially Wind Spirits for bringing them together. Another amazing strategist and leader, not necessarily in FC. Yeah, he's a very he's a very good diplomat. Like from what I've heard from his dealings with uh, you know many of the northern entities, like they they like the dude a lot. Yeah, he's very popular. Um, and also um, Jin Tan, who is somebody that uh, wasn't put on the list this year, but he's he's always been somebody who puts a lot of uh, work into the community. He's largely been absent the second part of the year, um, but he did put together. He left Providence and started his seventh estate um, and was, you know, looking to make things different uh, instead of playing with the big blocks. He was looking to create another independent block. And the last one I'll say is uh, Pfeffer or Pfeffer is uh, somebody that worked with the North for a long time. And uh, he was a protector of drone regions and uh, managed to really bring them to a close without uh, it being a huge disaster. Um, not necessarily gracefully, because I think there's some controversy about things that happened, but um, it wasn't a complete, you know, run for your life kind of catastrophe from from what we saw. Uh, he was also someone who was saying we need to build more empire rather than uh, our old model, but he was not able to um, stick around with the North, and he switched over to Test Alliance, and that's where he's moved. And he resigned also as the renting uh, overlord of Bot Empire, which is usually the North, which is the North's uh, renting empire. So. A big player uh, moved over to test, was not able to accomplish some of the things he wanted to accomplish, but somebody should be mentioned. Definitely. And we won't mention uh, Jay um, um, Maricady. It's not macaroni. They call him macaroni. But Jay Maricady um, <laughs> is, is just a player that was not well-liked. He was a diplomat. He caused a bunch of problems. And it was uh, influential in certain ways, yes, but, uh, but also... Um, in, in other ways, not very good for the game. And 
Okay, so here we have the nominees for you. I'll go down them. Brisk Rubal, Elo Knight, Gobbins, Pando, Progod. Let's tabulate them. <laughs> yeah, let's figure that out. I wonder who I'm going to vote for. That's tough. Let send me, me your my secret ooh, ballot. Send me your pings. <laughs> All right. Hmm. This is a difficult one. Hey, guys, you're in this channel. You can send me a, a DM, please. I know. I'm thinking. I'm thinking, dude. Okay. <laughs> and audience, tell us your uh, vote. I'll read them again for the audience. Uh, Brisk Rubal, Elo Knight, Gobbins, Pando, Pro God Legend. All right, we'll give it another minute here, another second. While we wait, we'll check out. Thanks, guys, for filling in who you think should win most influential player. I'd like to know if uh, if the audience likes the uh, the nice kind of swelling background Eve music. Um, I'm not sure whether uh, I don't know, I don't even think uh, uh, Madrill has realized that that's been playing in the background or not. Oh, no, I haven't. I can't hear it. It's on the stream. It should be on the stream. Like it's 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 in it's low, it's in the background. Do we have but, um uh, Christmas music? Uh not well, we had Christmas music at the uh the start of the show. Um you know that particular one that you sent me. Um okay. other than that, I've just been using sort of the in-game uh you know, old school in-game um jukebox uh style stuff. I'll read these again. Brisk Rubal, Elo Knight, Gobbins, Pando Relica. This is Pando. Or Pro God Legend, which is Pro God. I'll just read those out and, and you guys can vote. Uh, Bard Ghost, did you vote? Or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can right, send you it for you. Okay, so we're ready to announce who the winner is. Votes are in from Talking in Stations crew. And so the uh, 2018... Most influential player is Pando, who's won it in 2018. Pandoralica, uh, Pandoralica, uh, in 2018, made the most amount of moves, creating all kinds of interesting uh, doctrines, and of course, being the figurehead that took out HK in a dramatic way right here at the end of the year. So congratulations to Pando. We'll try to get him on the next show and celebrate his uh, his victory. I voted for Brisk. God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's cool. We got him out of the way. Um, Test is the most influential organization. Pando is the most influential player of 2018, according to Talking In Stations. Yay. All right. And I... I pinged uh, Pro God and told him that we won uh, the 28 most influential, and his reply is very well deserved. And I have to echo that. You know, <laughs> the, the test guys have and girls have just worked their ass off in 2018, so they've done a great job. Definitely. Uh, I'll reveal my votes too. Uh, I voted for uh, Skill U, and I voted for Gobbins. Ah. So I was outvoted twice, uh, or I'm not with the fans. But Pando definitely deserves it, so it's great that he got it too. Uh, Aerith was the winner last year, just so you know, uh, for those asking. Mm -hmm. All right, so there we go. All right, what else we have this Christmas? Uh, I don't know. 
Uh, I didn't know how to give out gifts. I don't, I don't really kind of like that sort of thing, but I do want to reward fans in some way. So we'll think of something. And if we do give out gifts, it'll be on the New Year's Eve party. When we talk about the last year and what happened during the year and what we should look for in the future. Uh, I went back and looked at shows last year that we did and a lot of the stuff that we talked about came true. Some of it didn't. Uh, but we yeah. were definitely looking at the right trends. Yeah, because uh, the the next show is going to be like because because we've done a, a little bit of diving back like through the year to like on this show, but uh, you know the next show on uh, the was it the thirtieth? Yeah, the thirtieth. Um, you know we're going to be doing the predictions again like we did last year, which will be pretty cool. All right, so one one wrap up. Uh, what are you guys doing for Christmas, Carneros? I mean, are you guys? Oh, geez. Uh, are you guys going to be around or is anything anything exciting going to happen you can keep it the in-game stuff uh i there, i love the secret santa gift giving things uh, that i'm actually in three of them this year <clears throat> one for the imperium one for the bastion and one for a sig uh that uh, i'm not supposed to ever name that doesn't exist <laughs> <laughs> the reverse and now you know it's all it's great fun um uh it's the it's one of the best parts of christmas to me otherwise i'm like i just wear a silly hat and you also <laughs> get a chance to meet people that you would probably never meet you know i mean just uh, a couple of days ago someone messaged me and like oh hey ron i still have that blinged out mock you gave me three years ago like i love that thing i'm afraid to fly it so you know, that's always kind of an interesting thing to to kind of see the, you know, and maybe they're newer, you know, they just don't travel in the same circles. And, you know, you get to meet them and hang out and talk and chat. And that's all good stuff. Yeah. Where are you, McLeod? Mr. Fireplace? Oh, uh, well, you know, I'm just being, I'm just keeping warm. <laughs> just go sit by the fire. Um, <laughs> how you do? This is, this is, this is how we roll. Um, well, in terms of like, uh, in terms of the the secret santa stuff like uh, i've been enjoying it like um we've got one going on an in, in initiative which i uh, you know obviously taking part but uh i can't believe that you're in three carneros that's crazy oh it's fine i feel bad for the people who pull my name yeah <laughs> i can say uh that for christmas uh you know i'm going to be at some timers uh you know as they like to call it holiday tanking um, you know, the, the, the horde is at the gate, the barbarian ruffians <laughs> are doing their shenanigans and tomfoolery on our forts. So, you know, we have to defend those. Uh, so that'll be a lot of fun. I'm excited. Yeah, Christmas, Christmas day timer is no, is no joke. Like that's, yeah. <laughs> you kind of think, is, is that going to, is it, is it going to be like a, you know, world war one sort of like cessation of hostilities for a day? Like who knows? Yeah, it's always funny as well because people are like, oh, you know, they they don't have any life, you know, so they're going to show up at the timer. But but we don't have a life and we're showing up at the timer as well. So it's not like, you know, <laughs> we're all going to show up at the timer and we're going to fight because that's what we do. <laughs> if you meet Gobbins in person, he doesn't seem like a big a, a barbarian at the gate. No, not at all. He seems like an Italian uh, sculptor or something. Yeah. Well, cool. All right. <laughs> All right. 
Well, that wraps up our little Christmas party. Um, what an interesting little time we're living in here. So uh, we're going to have one more show before the end of the year. Oh, I guess it's time to make some announcements too, isn't it? That's a little bit of a surprise here. The um, next show what that you we got do, for us, man. The next show that we do will be the last talking in stations that will be on Imperium News. We are mm -hmm. going to be moving to uh, our own channel, Boo. Talking in Stations channel. And that is not a necessarily a popular uh, position among TIS because uh, a lot of people, including myself, like INNs and everything, uh, INN and everything they've done for us. But it would just be easier for us to control the, a lot of the things that we want to start to control. So we want to say thanks to INN. Uh, the New Year's Eve show will be the last show that we do on INN, and then we'll be moved off completely. We won't be able to ping INN anymore because it wouldn't be fair. Uh, so if nice. you want to get pings for the show, you'll want to show up on Talking in Stations Discord uh, to remind you when things get going and stuff. It's also yeah. Talking Stations Discord, a good place to see what's going on in the community with news and stuff dropped in there all the time. Yeah, you could see it as a either a negative or a positive. Like, you know, maybe you won't be getting these pings, but, you know, in that other kind of sense, you won't be annoyed by me pinging, iron, uh, you know, all of your, all of your uh, you know, Jabber clients when we're live and stuff. So, yeah. So once again, uh, Talking in Stations will leave INN's channel and be on their own channel, Talking in Stations on Twitch, all one word, uh, next uh, sorry, January 1st and beyond. We should have that hooked up on uh, talkingstations.com as well. So, you know, if you, uh, if, if, if for whatever reason your, um, your internet searches aren't actually finding the right page, go to talkingstations.com and on in, after, in the new year, you'll be able to uh, watch us live through that. Another uh, thing that we're going to do coming in the new year, we might do it, I'm not sure. Uh, and that is create a Talking in Stations newsletter that you can get in your email box. That's right. We'll be writing emails every two or three times a week um, that will be playing off these shows and summarizing not what happened in the shows, but um, news in between. So if you want a TLDR uh, ELI5 explanation of what's going on in EVE, we're going to have a newsletter for you to have uh, either in your email box or in-game. We'll also have a briefer version in-game. So we're actually going to have a newspaper <laughs> where we come to you. I was wondering whether you were, whether you were talking specifically about like uh, um, whether that was going to be in-game or whether that, was, whether that was actually going to be like via emails, like actual IRL emails. It's going to be both. Um, I have developed a, a template that I'm going to use to summarize the news that's going on in EVE, blast it out every few days, and just keep that going. It's part of our research anyway for these shows. But then I'm going to take a truncated version of that, because nobody's going to read a lot of email in their game, and just like one paragraph, and put that in a circulation that happens inside the game, so you can get your news inside the game. So we'll give you all that information on the 30th. Are we going to have to up for this? Is there going to be role play involved? <laughs> No, uh, no role play, but it will have a certain style, the, the TIS style, with uh, references to the articles and where they are um, so that you can see the full story yourself. And you know, It's basically going to be a TLDR of what's going on delivered to you uh, in your mailbox. 
Right. And we'll continue with two shows every week. And uh, with that newsletter type thing, that's going to help out. Um, and we'll be doing it all on talkinginstations.com. So that's where you would uh, go if you want to just catch stuff that you missed. All right. So that's coming up next year after January 1st. Yeah. And we will eventually get in the fashion line, right? Because we're, we're developing... <laughs> We're developing the you know, logo on her shirts. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Kim Kardashian would do. Right. Start with shoes. Uh, we're definitely going to get clothes. Uh, once we get our new logo, uh, we're working with the designers uh, to do this uh, new artwork that might come a little later in January 1st. But when we do that, then we'll be able to offer uh, apparel and all that. Make it sound like it's couture or something like we're, we're working with designers. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we are. These guys are professionals, you know, professional designers. But I also want to say that the uh, the apparel will be at cost. We won't make any money off that sort of thing. It'll just be whatever the whatever the warehouse price is for it, the minimums. That's what it'll be. We won't mark it up at all. So you just get it if you want to. You don't have to. Um, but I, I do want to make a plea that uh, we've lost some angel um, supporters because they've been angels for a while now and given us a, a ton of money. And we're really, really grateful for that. That, uh, But we're losing them. It kind of hurts. We're back down to um, below our goal. So if you could, and if you wanted to subscribe, we're going to do all our news commercial-free and interruption-free, uh, but we need to have contributions to make it worthwhile. It takes hours and hours and hours to edit. It takes equipment to edit. It takes software to edit take subscriptions and storage and all that kind of stuff. So this all is a hobby, a labor of love, but it certainly helps to have like it funded and funded well so we can expand and maybe even uh, move into other territories like uh, meetups and stuff like that. You can do all that on talkingstations.com. There is a support page. Check it out and support us. If you like this kind of content, let us know uh, by helping us out with contributions Okay, uh, that is all the announcements I had. We have, yeah, cool. There's a lot of questions. I want to answer them because uh, this is the right time. This is our little party. So, uh, will the tone change of TIS? Um, it will just get more refined, if anything. In that, we're always about being friendly and open, uh, and we don't want to pick sides. Although we all have opinions. Um, as you heard, Artemis has a strong opinion and Carneros has strong opinions and, and they're different, but we want to bring you the variety of opinions. And, and at no time do we want to take a narrative and just run with it. We want to talk about people's motivations. We want to talk about their strategies and we want to be fair to everybody. We're not endorsing anyone. I don't like the, the way I kind of see it is, uh, you know, we don't, we don't want to take a narrative of one particular side and claim it as fact in any way shape or form like the the idea is you know to to basically understand that everybody has a viewpoint everyone has a, a, a particular bias and it's fine to have that particular bias so long as people understand that that particular bias people understand that when you know this this point of view is put across it's it's done from that point of view not as as though it's fact and that's yeah. what we're about. So here's a question from Guni DuPont saying, will goons remain uninfluential in 2019 as they were in 2018? Which is kind of a neat, a neat little criticism of why they weren't picked this year. 
And I want to explain something about the Influential Award. In 2017, we would have said, had we been doing it, I think I might have done it writing-wise, but I didn't do it on a show, that uh, I Want ISK was influential as an organization. A lot of people would have disagreed with that, but I would have said they're influential in 2017. Oh, they were, I think they were massively influential. Maybe we need to have like a, uh, maybe we need to have a Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah. But that year, so influence isn't what you're already doing or already winning. It's what you're like, how you've moved the game and how you potentially can continue to affect the evolution of the game. Uh, so Goonswarm is winning the game. Does that make them influential? It does on the ground, right? Because they can march in anywhere pretty much. And eventually with enough firepower and, you know, FC dedication, they can win the day. Um, that is a certain kind of influence on the game. Um, and Snuff can do the same in smaller ways. And so these two groups are certainly influential in the game. Um, but when we, TIS, looks at influence in EVE Online, it's more about the evolution of the game, the anthropology of the game, the, uh, how, it's, how it's twisting and, and uh, really interesting. And so that's why we pick like, you know, the influential players of, uh, of EVE Online. So don't feel bad if uh, Goonswarm didn't win. They're clearly a powerful group. They may stay in power. They may lose power. Don't know. Um, but uh, I, I think, to be completely honest, if you're a if you're a, if you're a goon, and you think, oh no, we haven't won, uh, you know, TIS's influential organization of the year. We're clearly not influential. Like, I, I think you, I think you, sh you can be pretty, pretty safe in the knowledge that you know you're a pretty damn strong organization. You know. People have to take Goonswarm into consideration when they mm, yeah. make decisions in Eve. You don't. They can't. They can't just put together um, a, a, a big initiative and not think. Now, what if Goonswarm takes an interest? What if um, space violence shows up next door to us? What if the Reavers come and camp us? What if? Um, what if our enemies team up with these guys? I mean, they have to take that into consideration. The influence is there. And Aerith is having an influence behind the scenes in a lot of ways. And um, he has the ear of the Mitanni. Uh, yeah, these things happen. But they're also not exciting to pick as your winner every year either. You know, and talking about bias and, and you know, just like anecdotal uh, when we were talking before the show, that's, you know, one of my things was just from my point of view, PL was very influential on to test because that group, as small as it is, like where their supers are is important. <laughs> we're going to change because of where they're moving their super fleet. And if it moves down to here, we're going to move. So, you know, maybe not influential on the entire game, but, you know, from my point of view, they were very influential. So. I mean, so it's all about, you know, the anecdotal and the kind of bias and that kind of thing. So it, it means things, different things to different people. But on a grand scale in the game, I think, you know, uh, Test had a, you know, a stellar year out of their nine years in existence. This is the first time that almost the only time that they would have ever even been on the list. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. They've had a good year. I think they're gonna. They built a. They built something pretty fast uh, in the span of two years. I guess pretty fast. 
Uh, all right. Well, that's it. I think that um, that wraps up today's Christmas party. Um, is there anything you guys want to like think back on the year and I don't know, be grateful for? There's, there's putting you on the spot. High <laughs> <laughs> uh, sec changes, I think, like fairly recently. The war deck kind of changes. Uh, I think. Uh, I think we we haven't really kind of experienced the, uh, you know, the fallout of that really. Like, I think that's going to take a little while. It's going to take like anything up to a year, maybe more, to like really come into a, into its own. But uh, I think, I think it's a change that uh, you know it's going to be um, very much worthwhile for the longevity of the game. Another change that we haven't yet really experienced is the Ansible X jump gate. I, I want to say that um, CCP did more to change the game than with that than is is apparent yet. I think they have effectively partially shrunk the map, uh, and that will become apparent in 2019. Uh, you know, for me, it was the fight of UALX. Um, that was a defining moment for test because it was you know us putting the stake in the ground and just having one big brawl, you know, two men enter, one man leave, sort of Thunderdome. Because if that wouldn't have happened, you know, there might have been some slow deterioration and bleeding members and this and that. So that sort of pivotal moment I'm very grateful for. You know, it it it, it helped us grow and it was it was amazing to be in and to see Brave <laughs> out there camping after years <laughs> you know it was just a, a wonderful thing i'm very happy for that day it was nice to see uh it was nice to as well like uh because the the armor tight the the armor kind of uh supers and titans came in later but like it was it was unique to see uh an alliance just be so bold as to drop a entire shield super fleet um you know when that's never really happened before that was really that was really cool like seeing test kind of drop a super uh, a shield super fleet um you know with the uh, and have the balls to do it um was just really really cool yeah oh and the uh, jump fatigue changes most influential in 2018 i think that's a really good point from uh vns there that uh that really that really changed things it was right before nine tech four Mm. Like weeks before nine tech four jump fatigue was relieved considerably and that really allowed wait was it nine tech four it might have been it might have been ualx which allowed uh the northern powers both uh goon swarm or imperium and uh nc dot to rush down to ualx and really threaten to make that fight an even bigger fight than it was that's what it was yeah interesting yeah okay awesome all right, guys. Thanks so much for this year. You guys have been great. Uh, let's let's do more. Uh, I want to say a special thanks to Carneros there for constantly showing up week after week and putting these shows together for us. Uh, it's been a huge, huge wait. Also to Artemis, who runs the Thursday show. And you can see um, uh, he puts a lot of work into it. It's a lot of dense material coming out of there. It's uh, very, very good reporting. You uh, did a great one, like, uh, this week. It's really, really good. You should go check that out. Sure. Faulty Seven, I think, showed up. Midweek. Right, yeah. <laughs> All right. Midweek. Thanks. Thanks for watching. Thanks for sticking with us. We will see you next week. Still here on INN for one more week. Uh, we will see you next week on Talking Stations. <laughs>